Murphy's World, by Josephine Garner. Plato continued, a longing to return to the realm of the soul. True knowledge. I'm sure you've been following me, Sophie dear, but you may be wondering whether Plato was being serious. Did he really believe that forms like these actually existed in a completely different reality? He probably didn't believe it literally in the same way for all his life, but in some of his dialogues, that is certainly how he means to be understood. Let us try to follow his train of thought. A philosopher, as we have seen, tries to grasp something that is eternal and immutable. It would serve no purpose, for instance, to write a philosophic treatise on the existence of a particular soap bubble. Partly because one would hardly have time to study it in depth before it burst, and partly before it would probably be rather difficult to find a market for a philosophic treatise on something nobody has ever seen and which only existed for five seconds. Plato believed that everything we see around us in nature, everything tangible, can be likened to a soap bubble. Since nothing that exists in the world of the senses is lasting, we know, of course, that sooner or later every human being and every animal will die and decompose. Even a block of marble changes and gradually dis- disintegrates. The Acropolis is falling into ruins, Sophie. It is a scandal, but that's the way it is. Plato's point is that we can never have true knowledge of anything that is in a constant state of change. We can only have opinions about things that belong to the world of the senses, tangible things. We can only have true knowledge of things that can be understood with our reason. All right, Sophie, I'll explain it more clearly. A gingerbread man can be so lopsided after all that baking that it can be quite hard to see what it is meant to be. But having seen dozens of gingerbread men that were more or less successful, I can be pretty sure what the cookie mold was like. I can guess, even though I've never seen it. I might not even be an advantage to see the actual mold with my own eyes, because we cannot always trust the evidence of our senses. The faculty of vision can vary from person to person. On the other hand. We can rely on what our reason tells us, because it is the same for everyone. If you are sitting in a classroom with thirty other pupils, and the teacher asks the class which color of the rainbow is the prettiest, he will probably get a lot of different answers. But if he asks what eight times three is, the whole class will, we hope, give the same answer, because now reason is speaking, and reason is, in a way, the direct opposite of. Thinking so or feeling, we could say that reason is eternal and universal precisely because it only expresses eternal and universal states. Plato found mathematics very absorbing because mathematical states never change; they are therefore states we can have true knowledge of. But here's an example. Imagine you find a round pine cone out of the woods. Perhaps you say to think it looks completely round, while Joanna insists it is a bit flattened on one side. Then you start arguing about it. 
but you cannot have true knowledge of anything you can perceive with your eyes. On the other hand, you can say with absolute certainty that the sum of the angles in a circle is 330 degrees. In this case, you would be talking about an ideal circle, which might not exist in the physical world, but which you can clearly visualize. You are dealing with the hidden gingerbread mold and not with the particular cookie on the kitchen table. In short, we can only have inexact conceptions of things we perceive with our senses. Well, we can have true knowledge of things we understand with our reason. The sum of the angles in a triangle will remain 180 degrees to the end of time. And similarly, the idea horse will walk on four legs even if all horses in the sensory world break a leg. An immortal soul. As I explained, Plato believed that reality is divided into two regions. One region is the world of senses, about which we can only have approximate or incomplete knowledge by using our five approximate or incomplete senses. In this sensory world, everything flows and nothing is permanent. Nothing in the sensory world is. There are only things that come to be and pass away. The other region is the world of ideas, about which we can have true knowledge by using our reason. This world of ideas cannot be perceived by senses, but the idea or forms are eternal and immutable. According to Plato, man is a dual creature. We have a body that flows, is inseparably bound to the world of the senses, and is sub subject to the same fate as everything else in the world, a soap bubble, for example. All our senses are based on the body and are consequently unreliable. But we also have an immortal soul, and this soul is the realm of reason. And not being physical, the soul can't survey, can't survey the world of ideas. But that's not all, Sophie. It's not all. Plato also believed that the soul existed before it inhabited the body. It was lying on the, a shelf in the closet with all the cookie molds. But as soon as a soul wakes up in a human body, it's forgotten all the perfect ideas. Then something starts to happen. In fact, a wondrous process begins. As a human being discovers the various forms in the natural world, a vague recollection stirs in his soul. He sees a horse, but an imperfect horse, a gingerbread horse. The sight of it is sufficient to awaken in the soul a faint recollection of the perfect horse, which is the soul once saw in the world of ideas. And this stirs the soul with a yearning to return to its true realm. Plato calls this yearning eros, which means love. The soul then experiences a longing to return to its true origin. From now on, the body and the whole sensory world is experienced as imperfect and insignificant. The soul yearns to fly home on the wings of love to the world of ideas. It longs to be freed from the chains of the body. 
Let me quickly emphasize that Plato is describing an ideal course of life. Since by no means do all humans set the soul free to begin its journey back to the world of ideas, most people cling to the sensory world reflections of ideas. They see a horse and another horse, but they never see that of which every horse is only a feeble imitation. They rush into the kitchen and stuff themselves with gingerbread cookies without so much as a thought of where they came from. Well, Plato describes as a philosopher's way. His philosophy can be read as a description of philosophic practice. When you see a shadow, Sophie, you will assume that there must be something casting the shadow. You see the shadow of an animal. You think it may be a horse, but you're not quite sure. So you turn around and see the horse itself, which is, of course, more is infinite. Infinitely more beautiful and sharper in outline than the blurred horse shadow. Plato believes similarly that all natural phenomena is merely shadows of the eternal forms of ideas. But most people are content with the life among shadows. They give no thought to what is casting the shadows. They think shadows are all there. Ah. Never realizing even that they are, in fact, shadows, and thus they pay no heed to the immortality of their own soul.